0: Everyone, welcome to my show, my so called fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman, and it is so great coming to you today to talk to you about a very, very special topic that we all need to talk about. And if 2020 did not bring us topics to talk about and to bring out from under the rug, well, 2021 is definitely bringing us here. So here we are. I have had the opportunity to meet the most fabulous people. Across the United States, doing my passion, which is sharing my life experiences. I'm not supposed to say failures, but I'm going to call them failures because at the time they were failures, but um, building character. And um, I met Henry Abuto and Tony Green several months. I've known Tony for years, but we met a few months ago and you two came, uh, Tony and Henry came on the show for episode number 61. And it was such a... It was just electricity. I mean, it was just, it's like I've known them my entire life. And um, it was great to bring you. So what you have done is you have brought me to a space in my life where I want to help. And mm-hmm. so you invited me to This Is My Story. And This Is My Story, everyone. I We're going to give you all the information to watch this theatrical production, visual performance, documentary. I We're, we're going to define... We're going to define what we're what, what this is today at some point or at least get an idea um, from everyone I have on my show, but I'm going to go ahead and preface this with you all out there. Mm. I am extremely nervous because I am so worried about saying the wrong thing, so I'm just going to put that out there that I make mistakes and just that's good, I guess, that I'm asking, but I want to introduce you to my guest today. Henry Abuto, you yes. are here today. Hi, Henry. Hello,
1: Tiffany. Thank you for having me and Tiffany's audience who listened to episode 61. Thank y'all for listening to me again oh. on this episode. Oh, good. What are you at right now?
0: Well, we are, I just say, I think we're at 74 now. Gosh. I know, I know. We're, you we're,
1: recorded Fourteen more since the last time I was here.
0: Well, you know, I'm
1: just trying to push them. <laughs> I out. think I've done four on my own. Oh, but you
0: know what you're doing so much. You're catering, you're so much. There's so much to go into everything. And you know what? That's why we're a community and we're yes. helping each other. And they're gonna have me on their show. Yes, That's what they we say. Well, uh, so, I, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. Thank you
1: so much for having me on Yes.
0: Here, so. And to your immediate left is Kathleen. I'm gonna I don't want to say your name. Cool. Culebro? Culebro. Oh, Uh my stars. I said it so (laughs) badly. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. That is beautiful. Thank you. Kathleen, you are the director of This Is My Story. And you are also the creative director, if I'm not mistaken, of Amphibian Theater, correct? I'm the artistic director. The Uh artistic director. Oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness. So talented. Reading Everything that you've done Thank in, you. in your career. Her resume is impressive,
1: isn't it?
2: Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think we all see other people's resumes and say, Oh, that's impressive. What I've done isn't impressive. What do
1: you think? I
3: <clears throat> but yours is impressive.
0: It's very <laughs> impressive i mean and we're going to dig into this and then to my to your left um i went backwards there we go but it doesn't matter you can't see us in here so that's, a medium um,
1: podcast. that's right Devin
0: goodman is the creator of this is my story so everyone Hello. meet my fabulous friends now and the 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 the, the brains behind this work of art i'm gonna put it that way so Hello.
4: Thank you. Oh, yes. Hello. Yay.
0: Yay. Yay. so we have our pink bubbles everyone and we a do. bottle of red and some water so just in case so let's get started i want to know how this is my story was born so who will start kathleen yeah i'd love yeah. to
2: start thank you um so this is such an unusual project for a theater company Amphibian Stage is a theater company. We make plays. We develop plays. We do some comedy. Um, We go into something knowing what it's going to cost, more or less, who's going to be in it, what. This was totally different. So um, one night I was at home um, and I got a call from a dear friend of mine. He's now on my board of directors, but at the time we were just you know, buddies and, and we collaborated on, on some veteran, uh, things, different story, different podcast. <laughs> um, but he was so fired up and he said, have you heard of this man, this officer who took a knee at, uh, the protests? And I said, uh, yes. And, and he told me the name and, uh, he was like, this man is a hero. He's trying to make connections. He's trying to tell his story. He's trying to um, do something that opens up conversations. And he really wants to do a community conversation. And I said, great. Because when I hear that level of excitement, I say, great. That's, that's, that's my motivating factor. So um, I've never done a community conversation. And I start to worry um, that a, we're now in COVID. Um, can I gather a group in my theater? Um, B is it going to be a shouting match? Um, so I start to reach out to people whose opinions I trust. And, um, first I reached out to a friend of mine who's an artist in New York and, um, she's Latina and she, and I asked her about it. She goes, Oh, Oh no. This is not the time to be focusing on a police officer. Um, this is not the time to be
4: celebrating
2: a police officer. Oh, and I was yes. like, oh, Okay, I said, but he's black. Um
0: and is he she, was he is he black? Yes. He is yeah. black. Okay, mm-hmm. okay,
1: gotcha. It yes. wasn't that your friend was right, because we had a right? friend. She's a cop in Dallas. And Tony's like, we're gonna just call her resource coordinator. We can't even mention that she's a cop last summer. Right?
2: <laughs> so um in the meet, so so I call um my sage, my, my wonderful advisor, Devin, and she says, oh yeah, I don't like it at all. And she was really uh, thoughtful in, in talking to me about how she felt about it and how this was just not the time for that. So we kind of step back from it. In the meantime, I realized, oh, I have a friend who actually does community conversations. That's what she does. She's good at it. She loves it. Let's hand it off. So I I call her and she is beyond excited. She is also African American. She's beyond excited. She's um and she's about to have a, a community conversation. Perfect. Let's invite him. So I show up to the Zoom community conversation. He's nowhere to be found. And uh afterwards I talk to my friend Denise Lee, um who you should all follow because she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And um she says, yeah, he was being um, being criticized by his peers. He was being told that his actions were show, showed us were a sign of weakness hmm. and to please stop talking about this. Um, so I go back to Devin to tell her what happened. And she said, well, that right there is your project. She said, let's let black men tell about times they were silenced because this happens all the time, mm. and uh, so then Devon com- co- um, connected me with a storytelling coach because storytelling is, you know, to do it well is is a real skill. And oh, Jennifer,
1: show up, yeah, Jennifer Wayne Scott, yes, yes, out of St. Louis.
2: Yeah, so she's a great friend of Devin's. and um, that was a really important um, part of it for these gentlemen who are not performers to have a place to hash out their ideas and find what that. That structure of that story was, um, and so, and, and whenever you feel that that it's time for you jump to in. jump in, <laughs> Devin, <laughs> please do because the rest of it is about trying to line up schedules.
3: Right. So I mean, it was very when you called me, it was the. No one at this point in time wants to hear the story of a police officer. We're all aware that he is a black man, but he's a black man who chose to put on a uniform. And that uniform carries weight in context. Because you know what you
1: can do with the uniform? Take it off. You know what you can't take off? The color of your skin. Correct. See, I've already started.
3: (laughs) With with that said, even whatever my personal and what many people think, the minute that Kathleen explained to me, they're they're definitely silencing him. They're over the narrative that's being created or around him kneeling at the protest. And what do we do? We can't move forward. Well, we can because that that is where he's moving outside of the uniform. That is the black man being silenced. And it's exactly the example and Lejon touches on it and his own presentation. And when he's doing his monologue, when he's talk- talking about what is it like to navigate as a black man, all these different worlds that we interact with, these spaces that we walk into, knowing these rules, knowing what they expect of us and when we break them, the consequences of them. Hmm. And I think, Henry, you touch on that so well when you're reflecting about your mental monologue, Mm -hmm. um, these incidences that you are interacting with, with these people who you care about and these places that you did think were safe spaces. Um, And so in talking to Kathleen and realizing people want this, they need this, whether they want it or not, whether they know that, how and who are we going to reach out to? And there are so many men, so many men in Fort Worth that are black men that are doing amazing things. And they're doing them, yes, without recognition, but also quietly because that is the safest way for them to do them.
4: Hmm.
3: Because that's the way that they can have the deepest impact without erasure from outside voices. And and so who we reached out to and each person, every single person we reached out to was excited, wanted to be involved. However, it was truly at this time, because June is about when we started the conversation. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we're sitting August, that's hard. Numbers are starting to spike with the pandemic. Right. And and the concern for many becomes scheduling and what even that looks like even performing. Thankfully at this time, the first step is connecting you with Jennifer. And we had some that connected with Jennifer and went through the process of just what is my story? How do I tell this story? Um, And in that process is also how we realized, okay, the best way to honor the fact that this is a traumatic experience. Many of them are reliving traumas and you hear LaJawn again, talk about that, but you even see um, Dr. Walker, When he's talking about his, how he's having to talk about his own interactions with his healing and his walk of coming to the point of how can I be there for these people that I love? And that's when we definitely realize we want to respect that. Mm
4: -hmm. And
3: we want to respect that as many people as we need and want to see this. They're also at a place where coming into a theater doesn't feel safe to them. Um, And so in reaching out and contacting as people's schedules fluctuate and we talk about how are we going to allow people to sit with the stories? How are we going to make sure each individual person gets their focus and their time? Mm -hmm. That's where it slowly develops and you get the final three gentlemen who you see Mm -hmm. sharing their stories, but then also The art reflecting on where we were when this happened, Um, which that artist, her name is Jasmine. Jasmine Woods. Mm -hmm. Woods. Amazing. She did all the collages. Mm -hmm. Definitely um, someone who you could feel people in the theater when we're watching. They're going from piece to piece. Then they get to her pieces and their eyes are just devouring everything that she's presented to them and then you they get to the poems and you hear the mm and the nods
1: and I started clapping, you know, when Black people start yeah. clapping early. I just started clapping. I was yes. like, George came up on that screen. I was like, yes, let's go. Yes,
3: the clapping and then the music. You can hear the sighs taking it in. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I realize I'm at the end, but whew, that's a lot. Um, And just sitting with it. I, I don't know about at Henry's showing, but I know mine. There was a just a brief moment where every single person was like, Okay, I need to just pause. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen provided that. She I think I would advise when we watched it with my family, just give people that moment afterwards because it is a lot. Um, and for some people, it's a lot because it's a, a memory resurfing scene for themselves. And for others, it's a moment where they really realize people I care about, men that I interact with often, this is their lived experience and I have not acknowledged this and also what role have maybe I played in silencing them so there's just so many emotions it's really important to give that breath the same breath that I think so many of you needed in presenting your stories mm-hmm. Henry mm-hmm. so I uh, I don't know do, do you want to I don't want to take over I'm no just gonna say, Henry, I know I'm, I'm yeah yeah
1: um so how I came to be in this project was Dev and I, very good friends. And so she reached out to me last summer and it was during the height of uh, Black Lives Matter, which should never be a height of. It should be a thing anyways. Okay. But um, so, so it was red, during, yeah, it was social, during all of that. And then we're dealing with the pandemic for sure. Everybody's right. on edge. Everybody's right. tense. Locked Everybody, in their houses. Yes. Just been at the house.
3: Watching the world crumble. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, I remember one day I was at Aldi and I put up my phone. It might've been the same day you asked me. And I'm just like, just during a scroll of just the news and the timeline. I'm just like, the world is literally actually on fire. Like this place is just like, Lord, take me off this earth. We are living through. Yeah. And so Devon asked me to participate in the project. She told me a little bit about it and I said, okay. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Great. Like, that sounds fantastic. Let's, Count me in. Put me in, coach. And uh, <laughs> then because there was so much going on, out of sight, out of mind, I kind of like forgot about it. And then I got this email from Kathleen and Jennifer Wainscott and I'm like, I first really had to ask myself, I don't know if y'all know this. At first I was like, what is she talking about? I was like, "Who?" I was like, who is this woman emailing me? I was like, why is she asking me to like, schedule like a Zoom? I was like, I was so confused. And I was just like.
0: You thought you oh, had a catering order that was late? Uh, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> I was like, ma'am, I don't think we know each other. And then I was like, let me search for another email. So I typed her name into my emails and I had read it in the summer and I was like, Okay, it's like I was introduced to this person. I just happened to have forgot. And so, Jennifer, love you, girl. But I was just like, huh? And then I was like, okay, let's start working through this. And so what I think was so beautiful is that Kathleen wanted to provide the space for people to process their emotions and their trauma before they were telling it again. And they took such great care of all our stories, like from initial Interaction meeting down a recording down to even now. Super, super just touched by Kathleen and the team and how they did that.
2: Well, just to int- interject here, the nerves that you feel, you expressed mm-hmm. earlier, I mean, talk about the possibility of getting this
1: whole project wrong. Oh uh, yeah, Kathleen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Imagine you being hurt. It's like okay yep. ex- explain that to
0: us. Mm-hmm. Like what your feelings were, but just getting it wrong, right? Yeah, just getting it wrong.
2: Just um inserting myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just very conscious mm-hmm. of not inserting myself, but also um at the same time that I was going through um you know planning all of this i was also taking um intimacy training classes and um and that's a whole different arm of theatrical training but um how to make spaces safe for people Mm -hmm. um is a big part of that and so i was really conscious of how to make that space safe Mm
4: -hmm.
2: and mostly not to insert my lens and that. Was that was um, that that I was nervous about sure. doing. With that. With that
3: said, though, and I've told Kathleen this before, and Henry and I have even talked about it, the fact that as a non Black person, Kathleen not only navigates it well, but models it well for other people. Oh, for sure. And the the minute there's a question, the minute there is a new presentation of, well, what if we do this? Well, what about this? Kathleen came back to me. There was the constant communication Mm -hmm. of, what about this? What do you think about this? Do you think this? And very open and listening, taking feedback. We walk through it, asking the questions, me explaining. And then I would definitely hear on the other side from Henry that, the follow through of that and the honoring of his space as much as possible. But also Henry, what do you think of this?
1: And you set the tone on set. Anytime we were filming the two days we filmed my segment, everybody was following your lead and you set the tone. And I really like, I could see that I could notice it and I received it. So yeah. But back to, um, sorry. No, I
2: I was just going to add one thing (laughs) is that the, the, and tell me like, Honest feedback now. But one thing <laughs> I committed to doing is that moving forward, I would never put a person, uh, an African American person, in a room alone with all white people. Right. I think that's and so very that important. that was something I'd never thought of before until I took these.
1: And decisions. I mentioned that on set, and I was like, "It's not lost on me that <laughs> I was not the." But I was like, until the black girl, I forgot her Jasmine, name. Jasmine. Yes. But I was like had she not been here, I would be the only black person here. Right. And so yeah. You're and then telling you were, your
3: story mm-hmm. to yep. a white audience, which automatically shifts it, right? Mm-hmm. It's the right. difference between Frederick Douglass as a writer and, um, James Baldwin, right? Frederick Douglass is writing to educate his white audiences. And James Baldwin is writing for us, by us, full ownership. And if you take it great, but it ain't for you. If,
1: mm-hmm. um, oh, Cause James Baldwin is not for, for everybody. <laughs> He was a-okay with that. Mm-hmm. Him and my love, mm-hmm. Toni Morrison. Yeah. Oh, Toni yes. Morrison. I Sorry. mean, I knew that's like, I could literally dedicate a whole segment of my life to her.
3: Yes. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: And so we're in this recording process or putting the story part together. And the topic in case, I'm sure it was mentioned earlier, but we we're talking about when have you been silenced in your life was kind of the prompt. Mm-hmm. And so because I am a storyteller through writing, and not Jen and I working was a little different than her working with the other guys because one, I'm like, and she was very sweet about it too, but I was like, I'm in control. I was <laughs> like, we're going to do this my way, my schedule, my terms kind of thing. And she was like, completely get that. And we kept running on this wall because she could tell I was not being super authentic because at one point I finally told her, I was like, I'm talking to a white woman who does not know me through a screen. So, like, some of the things I really want to say, I don't know if you'd even know how to take them. Not that they were directed to her, but, right. like, they'd be really hard things for her to hear or process.
3: Right. <clears throat> that's because, to interrupt, that's because yeah. you don't know. Back in college, Jennifer was the first person, if you approached me the wrong way, to let anybody know. Yeah. The,
0: not today. Okay, so her. Jennifer's
3: a white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay, and
0: so that was you. You felt like there was a barrier, perhaps. There was a, right. there was was a
1: politeness barrier. Right. That I'm like, I cannot cross this threshold because right. then it's going to offend it's her and the, make her uncomfortable. Right. Now I have to deal switches. with making her uncomfortable. Yes, because and what happens in those most of those situations, the narrative now shifts on oh, Jennifer's uncomfortable instead of, oh, what Henry said is painful and hurtful. Now it's like we got to manage her feelings about that. And luckily she did not. So finally after, because we went through probably the version we landed on that I shared was the third or maybe even fourth version because I had four different routes I was going to go. Like Mm -hmm. as a writer, I had four different drafts. And then the version that I ended up sharing about when I've been silenced throughout my life was the version that was written in. 10, 15 minutes, I got off a Zoom call with Jennifer. I called my pastor friend Garrett. Um, He's probably going to want me to just start calling him my friend Garrett. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) I called my friend Garrett, dear brother, friend of mine. And I talked through it with him. And he was like, go all in. Garrett's a white man who was just like, no, go all in. I support you. And so I was like, great. And so I called Jennifer back and I pieced it together. And she was like, "That." is right. what you need to say because I can tell that's the story
3: and that's so, I mean that's her her work is uh, so she does storytelling um, in her city but also she is a therapist so she navigates yes. this often um, and has for many years well uh, it's the reason why I recommended her and hearing this it's good to know that you though mm-hmm. had that conversation and reminded oh uh, we had it mm-hmm. right of
2: <laughs> but also space.
3: let's be honest and say if you
2: hadn't recommended her, none of us would have been comfortable Mm-mm. with a white person taking, you know, like it. Yes, it because I was like, true.
1: oh, this is Devin Spence. So Devin's not going to put me in a situation right. with a white person that would not <laughs> right. work out well. And I was like, girl, this is your friend. I texted her. I said, OK, girl. Right. So.
0: It's <laughs> on now.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, and how would it have
2: been mm-hmm. if I had selected her myself? I would have just not been doing my homework. No, you know? No, no, no. So, so that was a really important component to, to the success of it. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. So why is this podcast hosted by a white woman important for, 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 for for you? Just tell me, I know why it's personally important Mm -hmm. to me, but why don't you share that? Do you mind sharing that? Not at all. I don't mind sharing it at all. Um, I hope. Okay. Back up. <laughs> I grew up in rural America. Okay. okay, Where it was, the, uh, racism was rampant. 1000%. Mm-hmm. I graduated high school in 1983. Um, that was a different, a different time. When I left my home, I never went back. So, until i went back to visit but i mean i didn't go back to live there, yeah. and i love my hometown i'm going to say this right now i do love my hometown um and the people in the community and the farmers in rural america um i thought that racism was not a thing right okay because i was telling you earlier you're an educator Devin. my daughter where she went to high school Although the percentage, the percentages was higher, obviously it was, it was not a private school. It was a public school, Mm -hmm. was white. Mm -hmm. And that group of kids, I was so fascinated and amazed. There was no color. Like I, I'm looking at the cheer squad and I'm looking at the, there's, there was to me and my daughter. Okay. Two people. Mm -hmm. There was no, you didn't see color. Does that make sense? And so I did not Like you grow. physically
1: did not see it around you. Like not I, as in your brain. Yes. Come, and yeah. my
3: daughter embracing. Wait, do you mean there were students of black, Latino yes. descent and yes. heritage, but as a community, we don't see color. Right. Okay. Mm. With the school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I
0: remember this. I was just so proud, so proud of that age and that group, that generation was so proud. So then I rock along. I go to my mom's funeral Mm -hmm. in rural America, Mm -hmm. black cemetery, Hispanic cemetery,
4: Mm -hmm. white
0: cemetery. What? I mean, I could not believe what I was seeing. Now this has been a few years. Mm -hmm. Couldn't believe it. I thought, this can't be happening. This, where have I been? Mm-hmm. Like, where have I been? This is because I, hey, I'm cool. I have black friends. Like, mm-hmm. is that right. like what like is that made racism? Am I that stupid that that made mm-hmm. racism go away? Mm-hmm. No, but I wasn't seeing that because mm-hmm. I wasn't hearing your story, Henry. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hearing your story, and I, I just I was so shocked when I hear brutality across across the board. But I just thought we were beyond that until Mm -hmm. last year, 2020 until when, when, when everything the world just went upside down. And I was just going to my black friends and saying, I'm
1: so sorry. I'm so sorry. I want to say everything. I want to put names to it, specifically the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Taylor. Yes.
0: And I was apologizing for the color of my skin apologizing and every single black man and woman that i talked to was we don't blame you this is not you we don't blame you as a person exactly exactly it's not this and what can i do to help and they told me to make a difference and and we we and i do tell my friends that say or people that that make that inappropriate conversations shut it down shut it down. That's how I can start. I mean, that means, right. right. Shut down, then
3: educate. And then the next thing you know, you're having, you're inviting them into these spaces where you're learning together. Like it's just step by step, but yeah, you've started with the, as Henry said, bare minimum of shut it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Uh it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to Henry's story that you said that you didn't see color because as a black female who, did the white private school thing, grew up in a predominantly white schools. I can tell you that not only do I know from our interactions then, but I know because I had a lot of people do the same thing that you went through last summer with the text messages and the messages. And because of where I am, they quickly ran into my boundaries. But with those boundaries, I'm happy to help you and send you where you need to be. Everybody's in a different
4: spot in their
3: own growing and journey and education. But also remember, that's the same thing for black people, right? Mm -hmm. They're also in their own process of what this trauma is to them. So while those students at that high school, the white students, probably didn't see color you guys didn't see color Those. your students that were black latino asian american indigenous not only they did they, they see it, it they felt it but they had to wisely navigate it because the public education system is one of the pillars of systematic racism so they knew from the fact that the classrooms mm-hmm. are not write that speaking down to okay them. run that back okay
0: <laughs> i got lost everyone oh, yeah. just give me a minute
3: <laughs> 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 but like from the lessons that are being taught to them from the fact that they're not represented in classical literature, which is not accurate from the fact that when they look at who's teaching them and the fact that we know as educators, our greatest foundation for the success of a student is building a relationship with them. That connection that Henry has with doctor to him, coach Walker.
1: I was just about to say, even though I have chills when you said that, because, um, which and I'm about to come back to what you just said. Okay. Give me like. 90 seconds here because I got something.
4: <laughs> um, when you said
1: who was teaching them, I've seen this tweet time time again. Black people say how old you were when the first time you had a black teacher, or black educator, yeah. and then I've counted in my entire life from a little B Clayton to McLean to Pascal to Stephen F. Austin when I went to college. I had Coach Walker and Coach Robinson as my teachers. Coach Rob I didn't teach me. Coach Walker taught me algebra, he was my algebra teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Walker, um. A seventh grade teacher, a math teacher, was a beautiful black man. Don't remember his name, but he was really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. but um, and then sure, write that down. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then I did not have a black professor in college, and so I've had in my entire educational career, um, I've had two black instructors.
3: And I did so, not have wow. a black professor in college at all. I will say that, well, my parents are educators. Mm -hmm. Um, So my first educators definitely were black. With that said, Miss Cooper from church, uh, my fourth grade teacher was my first black teacher. Mm -hmm. I had already definitely experienced racism um, in my schools and knew very well what it was. Because again, my parents very much educating me and teaching me how to navigate. Um, With that said... I know that some of my greatest allies were my white teachers. Uh, growing up, mm-hmm. I skipped six grades and private school. And then when I shifted to public school, went to Georgetown, Texas, which has a wonderful reputation for education. But my mom got a call on the second day of school. My third grade teacher said, well, I love I the story. I cannot tell you without breaking my contract, what is happening, but you need to promptly get down here. And my mom taught at the middle school, truly down the road. And so she just walks across, walks in, and they are taking me through the test for special education services. (laughs) And, and my mom was like, did you read her record that we gave you and we brought to you? And they said, we do this with all of our students. And she said, I teach down the road. I know you don't do it
1: with all. Okay. We work for the same district.
3: Right. (laughs) And, and went, talked to the principal. It was one of those things where she She told me the story and I told her, I was like, I don't remember this at all. I just remember my teacher who took me to read when you came and removed me from the meetings and navigated very well, shielding me from that. Mm -hmm. And, and I could say to this day, she spoke so much life into me and that, that is that too, shifting from ally to co-conspirator, right? I'm willing to put my job on the line. Mm-hmm. so that this child does not go through this process. Um, and it's just so important because I would wonder if where your daughter went to high school, any of those students could say that who were non-white mm-hmm.
1: students. And back to what Tiffany said real quick, too, about not seeing color or white net or otherness. You see people, whatever. I'm paraphrasing here. But mm-hmm. um, so while that statement and that comment is always from a well-intentioned place, Um, there is some harm that is done to it because it is a form of erasure. as I've said before and written, Mm -hmm. I think I've even said in the last podcast when I was here, um, my friend Kaylee is a therapist and she said, she gave me a line two years ago. I will never forget lack of visibility communicates lack of value. So if you don't see yourself, how do you know that? Oh, this place, this sphere of, and like wherever arena I'm in values me. Right. And has a place for me. And I remember I was talking to this one lady one time. I won't use her real name, so let's call her
0: Jane Doe.
1: Mm, let's call her <laughs> Susan. Um, so, um, so I go over. Susan hires me to do a gig for her. Um, I'm event planner and uh, sort of personal assistant kind of thing at the time. And so I go. Over. I can't. Okay, flag that down for me to give you the real story behind this. Because there's (laughs) there's certain identifying markers I can't tell you about the person. But, like, you would, especially the connection to where your daughter goes to school. And so, like, it's a key part of the story. But I can't share it, um, that part anyways. But, and so I'm at her home, beautiful home. And we're having a conversation. And we start talking about race and visibility. And there's a power dynamic in here already at play. She's a... beautiful older wealthy white woman wealthy and so there's a pandemic here i am a gay black man um and not that like and i would say right. susan was not ever throwing that around but it was right. just awareness i'm like oh i'm aware that there's a right. dynamic because here that's that, how you've been raised yes you know that that defaults to her as a person <laughs> in power like she has the power in this conversation i'm in her home and so we start having a conversation about race and she asked, I didn't bring it up. I'm not just going to bring this up, Randy. I'm here to do a job that had nothing to do with this. So I'm just working. <laughs> um, I'm just oh, I'm moving things around this house, pointing, putting things places. And because uh, I'm trying to find, I've told this story before, and she still is in my life in certain ways. Um, so I want to be respectful. But she says to me, oh, well, I just, we were talking about race in the church specifically. She's like, I just don't see color, Henry. And I'm just like, Okay summer do you like okay it's time for me to tune out of this conversation so i can just do my job and leave so i'm like okay girl and she's like no like sometimes i and this is when like you know at the end of the day that i don't see color statement i can understand it what someone's trying to say mentally but in the physical world it's not a real thing to even say because susan you know good and well that a black man walked through your front doors today. Like I'm not saying you're going to treat me differently because I'm black, but like you know, I'm black when I walk through your door. Right. And then Susan says, "Sometimes I don't even see gender. I don't even see men and women. I just see souls." <gasps> then I'm like, "Oh Lord, this lady high. because I'm just like,
3: <laughs> "I'm just, That's just that like, form of gaslighting." Yes. And,
1: and I was just like looking at her and. I like now, then I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? Like, these are already the mental gymnastics I'm doing. While I'm still actively present in this conversation with this person, I'm already doing the mental gymnastics how can I get myself out of this conversation gracefully in a way that allows me to work or either leave and then have a conversation with her via email later about why I won't be working for you in this uncomfortable dynamic you created. And so.
3: I'm laughing because I think of we're all taught this. However, I also know I. I was raised by people who they don't have a flight or fight. They just got fight. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so my mouth and I tell Henry this all the time. I have to be very careful because it's similar situations, right? Friends, dad being like, you're not allowed to date outside of your race. I would think it'd be a step up for you to date a white boy. <laughs> and like, no, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> but my smart remark was no. My parents actually value education. And well, you know, in this town. <laughs> so how you flip in the gym- gymnastics that you and Minnie, we all respond differently. But that process of how am I going to respond mm-hmm. is so isolating in that moment.
1: Yes, because what I should be processing is, oh, I am really hurt that I, oh, she asked me a question. I opened up, share about, hey, I feel really invisible and unseen at our predominantly white church. And that there's not maybe a place for me in certain conversations. And then you tell me mm-hmm. I don't see color. Yeah. Like,
3: and I mean, that goes up.
1: to this day. I sent her an email, so, like, I waited a year later because sometimes you just got to sit with something. So <laughs> yes, then, you do. Yes. yes, and I waited, like, it was probably yeah. almost a full year. And then I circled back, right? And I was like, Hey, Susan, when we had this interaction, this is why I stopped working for you or from that contract right. gig you had hired me for because you said this and whatnot. I'm still waiting for a reply. So, right. And that's the
3: thing—it's oh, set wow. with you. Mm-hmm. So many—the fact that you had so many things when you were coming up with your story, but John and
1: I forgot and it even till now. Walker, like, right?
3: The so many things that. We as non-white people, as black people um, in this country have to sit with process through. It's one of the things. And truly, Henry, anyone who knows me can say it's why my boundaries are so defined. It's why I when I am doing consulting gigs or when I'm lecturing or even after certain lessons or even as I'm preparing for a lesson. I have to go through a process to make sure I'm in the space to navigate that. And and I'll be very honest from the get go of this is where I sit, because at this point in my life, I as a human being, we as black people, Latino people, Asian people, indigenous deserve so much more than have to sit and rotate for a year on an experience in someone's home that you know could have escalated and gone a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. So you're thankful it didn't. But now you have to also navigate the fact that you're going to have to interact with that person. Mm -hmm. And you, as a society, we know that you would have been the bad guy. Oh, for sure. If anybody would have gotten a hold of that, you would have been the aggressive or the dramatic, depending on which way they go with Mm -hmm. that story, blackmail. Mm
1: -hmm. And I was in her home with her alone.
3: Right and mm-hmm. oh yes, and having to sit with that—that's why this is my story is so important. That's going back to your question: why it is so important for you as an audience member, as I a
1: forgot white thats woman, what even got us here. Yes, okay. I was like, <laughs> she asked a question. See, I love the <laughs> <in> good dialogue. <laughs> yes,
3: as a white woman, why it's so important for you to say, what do I take away from this, and what do I then go back and give into the community mm-hmm. with this, and. This space, the fact that your audience likely because, so many people Go because
1: ahead. you have access to people that we will never get access yep. to. And so that's why it's like, and I love what you're doing. It's like, I always tell people, decenter yourself and platform other people. What you're doing is like, hey, y'all, my audience, you might not ever get to have these conversations, but I'm going to have them with other people. So I'd like to put a shine and a spotlight on them that y'all too now can learn. And so that's right. just something. That most people don't think it's important, but it's so important because right. like, I don't know how many average listeners you have, but like, I guarantee you there would never probably run across Dev Devon, Kathleen or myself having these conversations. And so that's why it's wonderful. Exactly. And for you to step into a place that you know is uncomfortable for you or yes. it could potentially be painful or sad or just weird. But you're like, you know what? I'm going to do it because like I said, and... The very beginning of my story, and this is my story. If I have a voice, then I have a responsibility to use it. You do have a voice and platform. And for me as a child of the most high God, if God gives us something, we have a duty to steward it well. And so even your podcast, you've been gifted. You've worked hard for it, but it's also now something you get to bless other people with. And so you sharing that platform and that stage is huge. So that's why I think it's important for you as a white woman to use that.
2: So So I'd love to throw something in Mm -hmm. there before you move on. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's, there's also a very important component um, through, um, you know, our brains are basically trained to be, to look at patterns, right? Right. Find patterns Mm -hmm. and make conclusions. Mm -hmm. So you're watching television and it's changing now. But you're seeing um, the news always filled with the kinds of narratives right. that are like black people are violent, black people are, um, are are angry, black people are this, black people are that. Um, you read the newspaper, you um, you know, you people throw statistics at you. Um, it's like, you know. There's, there's a whole podcast behind why are so many such a, what is, why about incarceration, basically, Mm, and the percentages there, which you could use that, um, which you could use that, that, um, that number to reinforce some of these patterns you're putting together. Right. Mm -hmm. So you come and you see, um, this is my story and it starts yes. out with a man so when have you been silenced you're coming in and you're pro- there's a good chance you're coming in expecting to see a bunch of angry black people telling you about how hard life is and yes. you start out and the first story you hear is about a man whose father broke his heart mm-hmm. you know and every story shatters those patterns that have been mm-hmm. fed into your right. brain and um you know, and and
3: and it's so important. It, just yeah, to, just real quick. Really no, go ahead. It's important in the pattern, though, that you and we talked about this. How we lined them up, and one of the reasons I want them lined up the way I wanted them lined up the way that they were, and I think you agreed with, was because of that. Mm-hmm. You come in, you get Dr. Walker's story. He automatically breaks down your inherent bias, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get Henry, who then holds you accountable to that inherent mm-hmm. bias mm-hmm. of you don't allow me to be angry even those beads lived experiences are nothing but anger filled emotions. Yeah. Right. And then you get La who's giving you the just broad. This is where we sit. She's this is what you do it. to <laughs> us. Right. Yeah. That pattern of it is consistently looking at the patterns that you, that we naturally have taken from media, reading, schools and what they have taught us Mm -hmm. and says i'm going to require you to question that every step of this production
1: and i love that this is my story did that because as i sat there so um most people think because for me i recorded in november um the week before thanksgiving we recorded and uh, then once again like moving on out of sight, out of mind. So I kind of just like forgot about it. And I was like, great, I'll hear from him. So I started texting Kathleen, maybe middle February. I was like, hey, where, what's the status of the project kind of right, thing? Right. And she was, then she started keeping me updated. But again, I'm like, out of sight, out of mind. Hadn't seen a clip, not a picture, not a still, not a nothing. Didn't even know who else was participating in it. I was mm-hmm. like, great, whatever. And then fast forward to the day of the premiere, which I invited you to. And Tiffany and I and 12 or 22 other people are sitting in the room at the time. And I'm watching this and I see Dr. Walker, Coach Walker's face. And I was just like, okay. And I didn't know what he was going to talk about. I had no idea. Never heard it. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Because even although that's a man I have known for 17 years now, that still challenged my preconceived notions about him as a black man. And I was like... I never knew that about Coach. So, right. Destroyed that immediately. Then the poetry. And then my story. And then watching it in that order. And then with LeJean's. And I was just like, oh, and here you, like, and the, what I love about LeJean, too, is like, nah, you're going to be so wrong if you think you know this man because, right. like, he has every reason to be angry, to be mad, to be this. And he was like, mm-hmm. nope. He was Here I am, fully present, capable. Oh my gosh. What was that line he said? Do you know how unique the fingerprint and the oh my gosh I just yes. love that line. Yeah. And so um the watching it in that order I think y'all did such a beautiful job of helping people break down and have right. no choice but to confront their preconceived biases that were broken down. Right. So
0: Can I ask you a question? Hmm? From the three storytellers in in the, the characters I keep saying the wrong thing but what oh, no, may but... I ask Tony's not here so I can ask yeah. age What the age? Oh yes,
1: so yeah, (laughs) I am thirty-one.
0: So you're thirty, young thirty. Okay, Lejean is my age, I think. He's maybe fifty.
3: I was fifty-six. His mid-fifties, I think.
1: Yeah, and And then Coach Walker is is right underneath him. Right he's in his 40s still yeah coach walker yeah coach walker i'm in sorry in for
3: aging you coach walker okay. yeah because if he <laughs>
1: yeah, was sorry. 31 if he was 31 13 years ago so he's 45 coach walker's okay. maybe 45. okay so yeah. you
0: have a, a span a 10-year span basically mm-hmm. of of different
1: i
3: mean in different time
1: laps i mean right. different experiences different yeah.
3: experiences and 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 yet we've all had them every single mm-hmm. black person that i have talked to mm-hmm. Had all of those experiences, mm-hmm. yeah. With the exception of the relationship with father, navigates a little different, but correct? And that we hit we know, so hard for me with Coach impacted. Walker because,
1: like, watching that and, and now even looking back as to because Coach Walker knew my dad and my family very well. When my sister got arrested, she called Coach Walker to go bail her out and <laughs> not Anyways, so he knew our family intimately. Oh, Coach and I go back. And, but he saw the pain that was in my household and our relationship with that father. So watching back now right. and seeing that he had had a similar painful, broken past with his dad and how nurturing he was to me wow. and the other boys on the bas- uh, track team, and it was just like a full circle. Yeah, it was like a full circle with, moment for me, even right. just watching that. Because he and, does
3: My Brother's Keeper now mm-hmm. and Dad's of Dunbar. Um, It's the same work through yep. and through.
1: And he sends me a text um, and he's like, I had no idea that was like all the silence and that you'd been gone through all of that. And so like and part of the stories I mentioned was when I was in high school. Right. We were at the same time. And so
3: Because we're also trained to not. There's so much. I will never forget six, seven years on vacation with my family in Hawaii and my parents, me and my sister kind of singing. And my parents were like, man, you could have been great. Why didn't you stick with choir? We loved it. And I was like, <laughs> because I asked the choir teacher if I could try out for alto. And she said, your people always want to sing deep. Oh, and my parents oh, wow. told her, and I told her that's because gospel's the greatest, but mm-hmm. my parents sat there and my dad was like, why did you not tell, tell us this? this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, at that point, I figured you have taught me well enough how to navigate these situations. You are going through your own. And my mom is like, right. But, you know, owning a school district is not a bad thing because that's exactly how that would have gone down. Mm-hmm. But we know, right? And he he probably... N- in commenting to you, I didn't know you went through this. I wonder how many other young men he then checked in with because that's who he is.
1: Yes. Oh, just for sure.
3: How, where do you sit? I, I but, went through this experience. I want to know what you're going through.
1: And, you know, even as we're talking about just being silenced and whatnot and having people advocate for you out of those places of silence. I remember Paul, I'm talking to Mike more because I'm consciously thick about that as well. But, um. I'm I love talking to the person behind the sorry. boots. So, y'all, I'm talking to Paul. Y'all know she's my little sweetie. But, um, Paul's I, pretty. Yes. I remember being in high school and the lady. I mean, I could really give y'all this another seven minutes if I remember. So, <laughs> but, but I remember our guidance. guidance I can't Oh, I know right. this story. Yes. And so, this woman, our guidance counselor. counselor. Yes. She. Told like we're time for us to apply for colleges and whatnot, or get ready. And one thing my mom made sure I was doing with those summers, sophomore year and junior, I was in the SAT prep courses. Like, oh, I was in there. She was like,
3: "Which your tests that are designed to work against you?"
1: Yes, and they were not going to work against me. That's (laughs) one thing my mother was like confident. Like these, these things were not going to work against my children. And so my mom had us in these prep classes. Like my sister and and that's another story. But um, this. A woman, she told my mom or our family at the point. I don't know if she told me directly, my sister and I directly together because they give you guidance counselors by last name, by alphabet. Right. And so she told either me directly or my mother directly that, well, I don't know why you're putting him in these. There's probably no point in him going to college. Mm-mm. I mean, guidance he counselors. Just fi- he should just figure out something else to do. Um, I, got into of, mm-hmm. I got into 12 of the 13 colleges I applied to my mother, she could have given all her at once. She, t- went, she took 12 days out of her time each and every single day to walk into Pasco High School. The front doors turn right, <laughs> walk to the office, turn left, ask for that woman and give her a copy of my acceptance letter each and every. Every single time. (laughs) And and I guarantee you, I don't remember the lady's name. I don't. She's never forgotten my name. I bet you, for as long as she'll live, she will never forget Henry Wasonga Butoh. I know that. And
3: maybe she learned something. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, what you just said, Kathleen, maybe she learned something. Your experience, Henry, one that so many students experience, Mm -hmm. guidance calendar. Counselors are gatekeepers, and mm-hmm. so yes, and um, but gatekeepers. Then I reflect on where we're sitting right now, right, with our Texas state legislator and the bill that they're passing, probably today, tomorrow, where that lady is no longer going to be required to go through anti-racist training, anti-bias training, mm-hmm. and her peers that think the same as her. And they get to go on and continue. And what happens to the students that don't have your mom? Thank you. That don't have that support system.
1: I know so many of my black friends in high school and people call that. I look back now. I'm like, they didn't have the advocacy that my parents had for me. And the thing is, honestly, my parents were like, we were immigrants here. So my parents were busy trying to just assimilate and make it work. Don't rock the boat. But also for some reason, my parents... And I, I would credit my mom with this, not so my dad, but my mom really instilled in me, find ways to stand up for yourself because nobody else is going to do it in mm-hmm. these situations. Right. And so.
3: Right, I mean, I and I've told you this, and I think I've maybe have told you this, Kathleen, but eighth grade, we're learning about slavery, abolitionist movements, slave rebellions, and my white history teachers, like what Nat Turner did is horrible. And I was like, I mean, violence begets violence. That is what slavery did. It takes you to the depths of the most basic animalistic on both sides. Mm-hmm. And survival, that's where he sat. And she admonished me. She ridiculed me pretty much in front of the class. And I walked out. I saw her two days later and she said, you haven't been in class. And I was like, there's only three weeks of school left. And my parents said there was no need for me to return to your class because I wasn't learning. my <laughs> mom said I was more than welcome to email you. I'm spending my time in the library reading and you can contact her. I don't know what happened. I cannot to this day tell you what happened, mm-hmm. but I know I spent the next three weeks in the library reading.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I was to ask you one.
0: Let me ask you, with what's going on in the world today, mm-hmm. if you have a black politician that, and I, if you have a black politician, Tim Scott says that there isn't racist in this country. What do you say to that?
3: I always think when it comes to...
1: I would say what country versus what I would say.
3: This isn't a racist country. <laughs> yes.
1: No, I'm, I would tell I would literally look him dead in the eyes. We're both in America and I'd be like, what country? Because you surely can't be talking about this one. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. just, hold I on a serious now Devin. Yeah, go first.
3: Well, I just, at this point with, politicians i think we have to remember the role that they navigate it's that whole relationship right the mosquito got the blood he doesn't care that you have malaria figure it out
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and we also have to remember that every person in their own personal journey when it comes to race, when it comes to their inherent bias and navigating them are in different places. And Mm -hmm. I hope that 20, 30 years from now, Tim Scott realizes the place he's in
1: now, the sunken place. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) Um, But that's just gaslighting. That's part Mm -hmm. of the looking at the power and of, and possibility of change that's happening of where you are, right? That when you go home and you visit and you f- look at the cemeteries and, and you, you say, now this see is it. not mm-hmm. correct, right? Where you reach out to Henry and you say, what can I do? When Kathleen has the ability to check and say, okay, how are we going to move forward correctly, right? That's power. That's power. And whether you read it, you had the conversation, you recognize the need for it. And there are going to be so many things gatekeeping, gaslighting that people do just pure brute force to make sure that that progress is continually held back and and it's moments like this it's how your audience is maybe going to take this yes. in and go back and google all this or reach out to someone that they can learn from those are those steps where it doesn't matter what you said Tim mm-hmm. Scott cuz you're wrong we know you're wrong and you can't keep people back from this progress it's bound and determined to happen
1: and i think i got chills when you said that because yes it's when people go back and do their own work and i've always said yes change like he said america is not a racist country anymore i don't know what world he's living in i wish i want to i want to go there okay i want to
3: go there and the vice president don't let her off
1: oh yeah well, you know, I really haven't said anything about her, so I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just. <laughs> the current, a, the mm-hmm. current
3: vice president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, she was asked this exact question actually, and she said uh, that while it is not. A racist country. It has a racist history, and um, and there are a lot of people think pieces out there that I mean, have broken are broken down how that is a contradictory.
1: Those are, okay, I was about to say those are language semantics. <laughs> and, so.
3: Yes, um, but again, semantics. that's that that mm-hmm. politics, um, and and
1: I feel for her. she. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's people like our vice president. She's in a situation where she's the first at something. Right. You have to navigate that so well, and the tightrope, you have to walk. Mm -hmm. So although I disagree with her statement completely, I can hold space and grace for her in that moment. I can't hold grace and space for Tim Scott in that moment as a black man (laughs) who— who prepared that speech? Like exactly, she.
3: She got. She did. Like get asked the you of the sat
1: spot. there, and you have speechwriters too, mind you. I know that. I've watched The West Wing. I've watched Madam Secretary. <laughs> I've watched it all. Uh, I know you have speechwriters, honey. Okay. And so, you—that's what you thought the best you could do was come out of here, and after the President of the United States speaks, that's what you were going to say after. I mean, just imagine, like. Repeat that back to yourself and that millions of people are going to watch this. And because I am an elected office at this high level, it's forever going to be noted. Like you basically said this in print. And so I do hope you grow and change. But I don't and I can hold space and I can hold hope for you, but I can't hold space for you in this present moment. What I can hold space for is. The conversation that we're having because of that, because like you're right, change doesn't really happen at these big levels. That's why although we talk about systems and systemic racism and whatnot, how we're going to dismantle these things are exactly at the conversations at this level we're having because people and I've always said this white people often listen to white people for anybody else. So. As a white woman going to be more yes. likely to listen to me or Tiffany? They're probably going to be more likely to listen to Tiffany. So that's right. why even having this conversation here. And you being the leader of the conversation is so important. <coughs> and it's just the power that you have access to in ways that I don't is why at the small level, these conversations are what I'm focused on or what I'm interested in. It's like, Okay, we have this information. We know that all these people are saying these things that are wrong that we can prove easily. And how can we combat that? I'm never going to meet Tim Scott, but I'm going to meet 20 Tiffany Blackmans. I'm going to meet 20 Susans. I'm going to meet whatever. And so those are the conversations that I'm having that they can show me they actually want to move forward as well. Mm-hmm. Then those are the conversations. I will sit down each and every single time and have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So
3: I charge now, but same. Okay.
0: <laughs> well I think this is another podcast, but I do want to mm-hmm. ask you about black women. Yes. I mean I think the backbone
4: <laughs> of I the movement. What do you
0: think that that theme would be though? Because I'm tired. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired and I'm not black. Can you,
3: can can y'all please? But I mean... I talked about this in um, the last Modern Lecture that I did, uh-huh. which I don't know if you I would. couldn't make okay. it to that one. Um, but oh, what's it's, the
1: Modern Lecture? Tell us. I don't think Tiffany and I are very well aware.
3: Okay. So I have a partnership with the Modern Art Museum mo- of Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and it's focused in podcasts. You listen to the podcast independently. You come back in, and I teach and help you navigate two actionable steps.
1: Oh, my um, gosh. Yes. Okay. You, this is fascinating. Yes. We should go to that.
3: 1000. Yes. It's all virtual
1: now. Oh. It's all
3: virtual. But yeah. don't I don't want to go virtual. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> this is okay. We'll be, we will see you in the fall in person. The, okay. Plans, right? Yes. Um, but we talked about the fact that somebody asked the question of what about the fact that I'm tired and I know if I'm tired as a white woman, you as a black woman are tired. Mm-hmm. And it is the that is why it is so important to keep community in this work to keep your people. I mean, how often have you heard me and Henry say, I've heard this story because that's my community of not just friend, but advocacy, um, activation, action. The same with Kathleen. There's tons of other conversations that are happening and things that I believe both of us are guiding each other in because I too, as a black woman, am an ally to the Latino community. So how do I navigate this? Um, And so in that community, if you have built it strong enough, if you have supported each other in your education and you've had the conversations um, that lead to such trust that, you know, even though this person is not black, I know that they are not just my ally. They are willing to put stand in <clears throat> for me and I can and step away and rest. Mm-hmm. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's where the importance of really on the ground comes from. Is
1: I have, to, I mean, I have to cut in because I just felt the pastor coming in, but this is, I mean, as believers, for those of us who are believers, I believe it's John 15, 13, I really could be wrong Ew. about this, but this is how we know what love is, that one would lay down his life for oh. If you're willing to step in and actually show me, I love you, that it's going to cost me something, right? because like being a partner is being allies with somebody. Uh, It don't cost me your Instagram story. That's cute. That don't cost you nothing. Let it cost you twenty followers. Let it cost you hundred followers. Let it hit your pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. Show me you're an ally. That's like if you're willing to say it's going to cost me something and I'm going to do it anyways. We good to go. Right. We good to go.
3: If you can look over and say, (laughs) I know that in navigating my life as a non-black person, there are certain things that I don't have to interact with daily that weather me to the point that I know this black woman is at a level of exhaustion that I've never experienced. I recognize it. How can I help her? How can I give her rest? And then the trail though, where, who are in your audience and your family, maybe your daughter looks at you and says, I see what my mom is going through with these maybe comments, reflections that are more questioning that are definitely coming in and They're agitated because in their learning, they feel attacked. They've got to go through that shame cycle of recognizing Mm. this is what I was taught. This is not who I am. Mm -hmm. And, how can she help mm, you with what that. she's
1: learned? Devin, repeat that.
3: <laughs> this is what I was taught. Not what I am right. It's that, it's a thing. We know this Everybody where our that. first thought is that negative thought mm-hmm. about somebody. That's what society has taught you. Mm-hmm. That second thought where you correct it and you say, who is this person? Really? That's because you've done work, but mm-hmm. where your daughter can step in and say, here's what I've learned. Let me help you answer that question. Mm-hmm. It's those little things. Mm-hmm. And her being able to lean into her professors and say, I'm, this is where I am. How do I move past this? How do I make actionable progress when I go into the workforce or when I'm in community with my other TCU friends? Um, sorry.
1: We I mean, can take that out. We're trying not to say names of places. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's
3: okay. Um, how can I navigate this? And her professor say, let's talk through this, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it's like for me when I'm sitting with friends who... Are at different points in their journey, whether they're black, Latino, white, we're all sitting at different points, but we can learn from each other in this community. And I think that's so important. And in response to what he said, that's the greatest way to say you're wrong. And this is how we're going to continue to move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are we now? With the project, where where are we now?
0: Yeah. So because I want everyone, I want you to all listen. I want you to watch because I'm going back for a third time to watch. Love mm-hmm. that. Because um, the first time I was in shock. Mm-hmm. I was in shock. I mean, because
1: it's a lot to process. It well, was a lot to process. Well, even Well, for me. and what
0: you said, Kathleen, is. What I, what, and you were prepared a little bit, Henry, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I was like, oh, is this going to be, I'm going, I mean, it's going to be angry and, Mm -hmm. and that's what, and it, it was not, Mm -hmm. it was, whoa, I mean, and of course, you know, I just, my daughter and I looking at each other going, what, you know, and so what you said resonates with me there, but I want everyone to see, watch. Feel that's, go so where are that's we? A,
2: that's our goal, and so, uh, in fact, we were in a meeting this morning and saying, Okay, now what's our next yeah. strategy next? for getting it out there? Mm-hmm. Um, and getting people
3: to see it because mm-hmm. that's really the the main goal. Well, also, can you do this really quick? I know the numbers, but uh-huh. like off the top of your head, do you remember it's how many close people? to 9,000 people? 9,000 viewers. 9, yeah.
2: viewers. Now, some of those <laughs> may have been multiple watches mm. because. It's so much. I mean, every mm-hmm. time I watch it. And the it, thing
1: is, but how many people are not watching watches. it yeah. by themselves? So it's probably more right. because right. like right. I had one at my house and uh, sorry, like eight of us. But like, yeah, it's we like how many people 12. are doing multiple oh. of yeah. those? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So wait, so uh, 9,000 viewers. And when was it? What, what month?
1: Wait, April 11th was the premiere. April, date, right. so. mm-hmm.
0: April 11th mm-hmm. that was the premiere. So 9,000 viewers. So, yeah,
2: we started screening it at mm-hmm. Amphibian yeah. April 1st. And then or right around there. And then through April 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, April 11th When is when we released it
1: worldwide. To, yeah.
2: yeah. So, so that's, um, so, so people had seen it in our space as y- as did you, um, before that, but April, since April 11th, I mean, within a, the number I just gave you was like within
0: a couple weeks. So tell us Kathleen, tell my listeners, our community that's listening mm-hmm. to this, how we can find it and view it.
2: So all you have to do is go to amphibianstage.com and uh, you can find it very easily. Um, either scroll down to the bottom of the
0: first page or go to productions. Um,
1: and even if you Google, yeah, this, this is, is my story, story Fort Amphibia, Worth, it pops up. It pops yeah. so, yeah. mm-hmm. so,
0: so when are y'all going to take it live?
2: <laughs> That's a, you know, honestly, I'm just going to jump in here and say I think the gift that COVID gave us was that it is filmed, mm-hmm. so that more people sure. can see it, and so that we turned it into we we really elevated it mm-hmm. to um, I think it's a, I think it's a work of art, right? Um, and I and I feel. Uncomfortable calling something that I was part of, but it's a work of art. I'll say I part of it I will say It's a work of art. It. <laughs> a, work of art. Um, <laughs> a work of art. And so, you know, all of that B roll and, you know.
1: And shout out to it, Shiny Box Pictures it, as shout, well. Yeah. So shout so out to Shiny did Box. They did a amazing. Great, yes.
2: It made them so insane that I was like, I don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> And I don't know what we should do. And I don't know where we should have B-roll because I don't know what they're going to say. They get to say whatever they want, but um, it was scary, but it was fun. I have a fun question and I think you're trying to wrap it up. So if, if you don't want me to ask the fun question. Go ahead. So when, uh, in June, when uh, the protests started, I was on tons of conversations within the arts about how we can all do better. Right. Mm -hmm. And a question really stuck, stuck with me and made me kind of giggle and like, also self-assess was a, 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 an African-American person, two African-American people were asked in a panel, would you rather be with an just in a, stuck in a room with an outright racist or with a woke white person? Ooh, the
3: outright racist. Yeah, yes, I know, right? For and sure. Because so I, I mean, and even so the fact I that I already know where about they're that. coming from. from, I know where they're coming from. But even you <laughs> using the term Whoa. "woke white person," that term has been co-opted so much. Woke was for Black people when they get to that realization of, oh, this is the system that I really navigate, the mm. world that I live in. Right. How do I build myself up and be my own self? while sitting in this country and what all that it embodies and stands for. And then liberal progressives took it. And here we are. So yes, give me because he'll They're stay on his a, side of room. I'll stay over here. And, and we're liberal progressives to go. are
1: almost <laughs> more annoying in certain spaces than like. Yeah, we talk
3: more about that because I I find it.
1: That's a, a
2: if that's not a comfortable <laughs> space, don't do it. But I just think it's a, it's a it's a learning tool for it,
3: all of us. I think it comes down to like just to liberal progressives meaning well then co-opting, then erasing. Yes. Because, because they're not centered themselves
1: yes. in that whole narrative. Mm-hmm. So
3: no, It's just, it's really simple. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why people with nerves, people who are questioning where they sit with us are probably some of the Better and most productive people in the long term because they're not people who are so self assured.
1: Yep, I would rather have these conversations with Tiffany Blackman than someone who walked in here and think they knew it all as a white person, want to talk about it, whatnot. It's oh, yeah. Because like, yeah. you're
3: going to talk over me. Mm. Yeah. You're going to tell me what I know. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're going to be frustrated with my response and we're not going to have progress. Whereas we know we're coming into a space that needs grace,
1: Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. and And I I want to say... I I just talked over you, sorry.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know you. You just gave me dinner.
1: No, uh, yes, I'll make you dinner. Um, I can tell the posture of your heart is such a place of humility. I can really tell as we're having this conversation. It makes it because then it makes it safe for people like Dev and I to really share the truth with Mm -hmm. you about things that we want to share. Because could I tell that your spirit and posture of your heart was not in a position of humility I would be nervous in this conversation. I would be tense. I'd be worked up. I probably would be annoyed, but I feel at complete peace and complete ease to have this conversation with you because I can tell that your heart and your spirit are in a posture of humility.
3: Right. And so. I mean, with the anti race or not the, the racist, the outright racist too, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. I know you're either coming from a place of ignorance, fear or shame. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the progressive liberal, are you about to ivory tower me, white savor, savior me? Like, how is this going to go? I have to navigate that, play that role. And that is exhausting mm-hmm. completely. So I think, I mean, these are the conversations though that they come from, this is my story. And this is, we've kind of briefly talked about with, if it goes live, doing discussion panels, bringing in other black men who wanted to participate and how do we navigate that with them? Because I think every audience has the reflection and the okay i'm taking this in but then right after there's a thousand questions or comments mm-hmm. showing this to my family and all my uncles <laughs> the rest of the night was them pulling me aside mm-hmm. i just want you to know this or let's talk about this what about this because yeah. there's so much there mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. tiffany have you ever done a live episode of my so-called fabulous no. Those are you <laughs> might need to do a live episode <laughs> but like have maybe kind of discussion about this <laughs> like mm-hmm some of the p- things she's done at the modern and then have people come in but, and ask them questions about that.
0: Well, oh and God. I would love to do that. I, I, I've several people have asked me about that, inquired about that. And I would love, love, love to do that. Um, I, and because there's so many notes I have mm-hmm. because there's so many podcasts here. Mm-hmm. There's so mm-hmm. many conversations, there's so many brunches, mm-hmm. there's so many dinners and, uh, mm-hmm. but I would love to do that. But I do have a question and please forgive me for my ignorance Two, two things I have to say. The, the woke white person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My daughter has used that term w- during her education many times. And oh, so I sure. try to be the cool mom. And like, I know what that is. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Can you make me cool, please? <laughs> yes. I think. Uh, and I'm you, embarrassed I don't know what it is. No, that's okay. No, it's
1: also a terminology outside of your Ooh, scope. Of, yes. You don't orbit it. And so mm-hmm. and I think you're better off for not even knowing the term, That's what I was going to say. You're
3: good. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, need, you get to go back and teach her something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, okay, so term woke white person is going gonna be your person who's reposting on instagram all of these so you want to talk about and the person who is following your advocates and they're coming back into conversation and saying well what about this or well actually this and it is your person who is performative
1: mm, however performative.
3: I guarantee your daughter's definition and what she has been introduced to with that term, um, especially because of her age group, Mm -hmm. is going to be. And this is a thing of the Internet, right? With this youth right now, they want to. They want change. Mm -hmm. They're over it. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? Um, And uh, the fear, though, is that they are taking in so much information without the depth that's necessary Mm -hmm. to navigate you processing what it means to look at a cemetery and see hundreds of generations right. separated. Like hundreds. Right. They look at it and say, well, we need to tear down these walls. Well, yeah. We need to move graves. Right. And it's, no, no, there's something here. Sure. And so I think, Henry, what would you say? That was person? beautiful.
1: No, I think, especially because in terms of where I think the woke white person versus someone like Tiffany who is is white is becoming aware for sure. And then, but you're sitting with it. We need you to sit with it first yeah. and maybe see what yeah. it actually is versus, right. okay, this is wrong. Let's move to change it real quick. Right. I'm like, we don't ask for all that. You know what, what white people do? They want to paint um, Black Lives Matter <laughs> on the streets of Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that doing that anything for? It was hot. It was summertime. I'm not going to sign my name on this block. Although, <laughs> I mean, I understood the, the symbolism of and for sure, but and like <laughs> Their
3: artwork and everything. The thing is, their artwork and their work deserves more than that.
1: Yes. And the thing is, you know what, what white people they do everything else besides what asked ask for. Who, why are yeah. you painting the streets of Washington, D.C.? I don't need that. Go up in these legislatures and change something. That's what I right. need. Like, who's like, literally, they're doing things no one asked for. It's like, oh, who asked mm-hmm. for that? Right. Okay. Like, even like, yes, let's take Aunt Jemima off this syrup. But really, that's not what we asked okay. for. Like, okay, put Harriet <laughs> on a 20. Her. We asked for that.
3: <laughs> okay, so. But you know that, Like sorry you i mean we know as an abolitionist here it would be like don't put me on a 20 instead change your lending practices change yes, how your predatory uh, when it comes to people who are See, in that step system further yes and they need this assistance because so generationally they've not been allowed this that's the capital i want you to have yes but i'm You were going to
2: say something. I was going to ask you as a... No, no.
1: Mm.
2: i rather hear your box than my (laughs) question. (laughs) So um, I I would say... I would ask you the honest question. If you hear someone say... Or a white person say, I treat everyone the same.
3: I've rolled my eyes.
2: Right. So I I feel like it's not honest. And it's also like not actually
3: appropriate however Um, i will say this i I will ask them a question of what does that actually i will ask them the question of what does that actually look like what does treating everyone the same mean to you because the thing is henry and i though we navigate racism it is different for us Mm -hmm. and so how are you going to support us in those differences that is where My internal eye roll has to catch itself and say, again, we're sitting in grace. So how do we navigate this? Because you mean well. Right. Obviously, if you're saying that, want to treat people how they deserve Mm. to be treated. What were you thinking, Henry?
1: No, I was going to say, I, this is what's interesting because black people are not a monolith because I do have a slightly different answer than Devin. I, if someone told me I treat everybody the same, it's face value i would believe them i would be like okay that's what you intend to do you intend to treat uh, yeah, everybody the same yeah. so yeah i would intend to believe that i don't think most people are walking around i'm gonna walk in this room today and because devin's black and tiffany's uh white i'm gonna walk in here and i'm gonna be shitty to devin so, sorry <laughs> i'm gonna be crappy yeah, to devin acting up. Okay. and um <laughs> Someone actually cussed in my podcast last week, and I was kind of annoyed because I don't you cuss on mine. You cussed in
3: my podcast. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, oh, we were at the house having a conversation. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was recorded at the house. We were having a kiki. Okay. But yes, I, I hate it. Like, I hate people on social media or in public, like, I hate it. But I'm just like, I just did it. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I inherently at face value don't believe that people are walking in and treat you crappy or Tiffany less crappy. I, oh. I inherently don't believe that. But I'm like, mm-hmm. You have biases and things that right. you have internalized your entire life that you don't even know that's making you treat somebody differently. Because, right. for example, I went and got um, this is a cute little cocktail or two with a friend of mine last month. And we were at a place here in Fort Worth. Or <laughs> two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was two for sure. And uh, <laughs> the waiter would not make eye contact with me. I actually talked about this with my therapist the other day because I was so bothered by it. But I was my friend is white. And... By all definition, I could probably tell that the waiter, even if he said it wasn't trying to teach you differently, I would believe him. I even would believe him. But you never made eye contact with me when you were asking me if if I wanted a water. You kept looking at my friend as if you needed his permission before you could, like, even do something. I'm like, and then finally I did say something. I was like, excuse me, I'm right here. I don't need you to look at so-and-so. Before you ask if I'm ready to order, if I'm ready to do this or whatnot, like he would just not look at me. Right. And so I don't know if that was a fear or not. But I was just like, it was such an odd interaction.
3: I and you don't have to share. Yeah. I'd be interested in your friend's response because that's the perfect moment to step in.
1: Oh, he and didn't notice make it. Sure but that I you're supported. He didn't notice it, but I quickly brought it up. And oh, okay. the minute the waiter left, and I was like, hey, this is exactly what just happened. He was like, Oh, I didn't know that. And I was like, mm-hmm.
3: And sometimes that, I mean, that is the shifting again into that co-conspirator is you being just as aware of how I'm having to navigate a For example,
1: let me even give another one. So I can use (laughs) names this one. So me and Tony, were at the usual where he works and then Jason Polo, the owner, very nice man. So Tony and I are sitting there trying to have a meeting, like talking about business things. And this drunk person walks up, drunk white man walks up to us. Oh, you're Tony, blah, 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 blah. You're Henry, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not even like, I'm an introvert. So, and I really, I don't like people as much as people think I do. And so like, I want to be at the house left alone. And so this guy is like clearly interrupting and making us uncomfortable, but I'm having to be like, okay, I'm where we're two black men here dealing with a drunk white person don't do anything. The minute that guy, like I finally asked him to leave us alone. The minute he left, I looked at Jason. and I was like, if you ever want to use your white privilege and I'm around, do that put yourself between me and this person that I don't even have to deal with this person right. because he would listen to you soon that he would listen right. to me and Tony.
3: I mean, so, I, we've talked about the fact that I love, I'm the complete opposite. I'll make a friend on the corner. Um, no, I'm
1: friendly I, and I love making friends. I'm I just like being left alone. I don't like being out. Mm-mm.
3: But I, Henry can speak to this. At this point, my socializing um is at people's homes, is at a dinner where we are sitting and I have likely said who all is going to be there and or it's that theater or somewhere where my time and my space is occupied because at this point those situations they're just too much Mm -hmm. i don't i shouldn't have to navigate that and i'm not going to and i'm okay with where i sit but it would be i know too that when i am with the certain people that i've chosen in my life Those people, without a doubt, going back to Jennifer Wayne Scott, are going to, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times back when my hair was massive in college as like big Afro and white guys always used to just reach in. Uh, And let me touch, let me pull. Jennifer would be the first person to disconnect their hand and let them know. And that's what I expect, and that's the community that I've created. That I don't even have to turn to those people and let them mm-hmm. know this is where you step in. They and you, I got only about three or four, mm-hmm. so you know them all. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that they would step mm-hmm. in and say, yes. "This is not appropriate mm-hmm. at all." Mm-hmm. So you said you had a second question. Yes, so I, I forgot go back to your i forgot. Oh, no. sorry. That's
0: I did
2: forget my fault.
0: My no, 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 no. Uh, but <laughs> I love the word uh, the community the community you create. Um, mm-hmm. I'm writing this down because I think it's true. Oh, so
1: naive to think we'd be done in an hour. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
0: I know the puppy is at home, like oh "Oh,
1: girl. So
0: the community you you create, and I think, is is great. I really do. But I think I would have not known Henry and you and you if I didn't expand my community. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to expand
3: your community. Oh, for sure. You have to intentionally do it too. You have to. You have to. However, with that said, though, I think that it, that is one of your privileges as a white woman is that you can easily expand it. <gasps> Mine it. is going to have to be takes so through, like Henry had the text message and say, uh, you know, Jennifer mm-hmm. and check. Or I'm going to say, Henry, when I show up, who's going to be there? Mm -hmm. And he's going to let me know this, this, and this. And it's not a kiki-ki or shady. It is so you know what to expect when you walk in. Mm -hmm. And you know how to navigate Mm -hmm. that. Because one of the reasons, and just honestly, that I also stopped going to so many things is because I would have so many people who would stop and be like, let's discuss black rights. Right. I'm at an art show. Two I to three time. glasses in. I don't this know. is yeah. not where I sit. Sure. I would love to know what you think about the art, though, because I am still human. Right, mm-hmm. I'm still here to take in this joy. Right, and maybe that's the story. The title for Black women, right, yeah. is just Black woman joy. Yeah, mm-hmm. living in, sure. in that Audre Lord. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that one for sure.
0: For <laughs> so, sure.
2: So this is why I question even whether it's a good idea to strive for treating everyone the same, because I think there are sensitivities we have to have. Mm-hmm. So most white people don't need to know who's going to be in the room before to feel mm-hmm. like they're going to be safe. right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, if I'm the hosting the party, I need to think about how I'm going to keep,
4: mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying?
2: Right. Like, like mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a, it's a really delicate stance to take is to
3: say I treat everyone the same. Because we also know that's not where we want to stay. Yes. Right. And I did
1: have a second part to my answer to that. I just you saying that that made me Oh no. You saying (laughs) that remind me of that. So like when people say treat the same I inherently believe them because for me as a believer and I keep saying it, but it's like and this is crazy. This is the third time I've gotten used this verse this week. But it's my favorite verse in scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So if you think, hey, I don't treat this person with the kindness that I would like and I would deserve, then yes. Then that way you can say I treat everybody the same. I treat everybody as if I have something that, I want to offer, and it is my kindness and my humility, and that's what I want them to receive from me. So that I fully believe 100%. When it comes to the practical aspect, I treat my best friend John differently than I treat somebody I went to college that I hadn't seen in five years. So, no, you don't treat everybody the same. But, like, I respect John. I treat him with the respect in the relationship him and I have, and I treat this person with kindness and respect in the relationship right. I have with them, even mm-hmm. though I haven't seen him in five years. So it's right. not the same relationship but the kindness and the humility, right. The found, the humanity.
3: It's what, as an educator, I sit in when I'm talking to you, right. That humanity, that fact that we as humans all have to navigate this world. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to mm-hmm. navigate it and be able to look to your side and say, this person is respect. Trust, yes. Kind. And
1: because a friend of mine here, she runs a, I'll just call it mill Ice. She runs the net. And, um, one of her taglines that I really love, so The Net is an organization that helps uh, women out of sex trafficking and domestic violence and just such and whatnot. And uh, all people have dignity, dignity, value, and worth. Because right. if you hear a woman's been in sex trafficking whatever, you're probably going to not treat her differently than you would have. Oh, this is somebody who's been the 4.0 star student, is now whatever. But Even it's like... Just- but re- Somebody
3: who's d- gone through domestic abuse mm-hmm. is going to get a different response than yes. someone who has gone yep. through sex.
1: So reminding sex yourself, family. like, I'm going to treat—they have that, that person on the street over there that is involved in prostitution through things that we won't ever understand, through reasons we won't ever fully know, has the same amount of dignity, value, and respect and made an image of God for me the same way that Tiffany Blackman is. And right. so if you treat people like that, that's a hard mindset to actually do. Mm-hmm. Because oh, you yeah. have to unpack so many new biases. The same way, right. if you're actually saying I treat all Black people, the same way I treat all white people, you have some unpacking to do mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. so...
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's I get that question all the time mm-hmm. when I'm working uh, from adults. Should I have a checklist? <laughs> and I always say... <laughs> I don't have a checklist, but I have a check me, right? I'm constantly checking myself mm-hmm. of how am I changing this person? How am I engaging with this person?
1: Mm-hmm. What am I learning
3: from this person? How is this person going to walk away
1: from this interaction with me? Mm. And you know what the black church say, leave somebody better than you found them, or That's, leave a place yeah. better than you found it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, and mm-hmm. I think too, and and this is something That I always talk about is self awareness. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my stars. People, (laughs) self awareness. I mean, that is, I mean, in humans. People
1: are so not aware. They're so
0: unaware. And so, people, be aware. That's what we're asking. So, well, I have enjoyed having you on, and we have like 10 podcasts online. I
1: know. (laughs) Like, Tiffany, if y'all could see, y'all, Tiffany has like a page and a half of notes. She had to start writing on a different piece (laughs) of paper.
0: Ask Henry this, ask Devin this. I'm serious. I am so honored to have you here. And I, appreciate you accommodating your schedules and your time to come on my platform to talk about this fabulous project you've done. I'm just so proud of y'all and thank you. Every thank one you. of you, thank what you is, for having us. I mean absolutely yes. and we're gonna get the word out there and yeah. I do. I, there's some other there's I would love to talk about other things and 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 the arts. I mean the arts and what you've done, Kathleen and Thank you. I mean that's, yeah. It's, you know, the arts are powerful.
2: The, the arts are power, not yes. just power. amphibian, but they are power yes. To, yes. to accomplish so many things. Yes, uh, you can you can pop a lot of pills to take care of different parts of of your body, but there's also a lot of power in in. And I'm not against pharmacological uh,
4: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> uh, help uh, at all, but somehow the science is being denied on the arts sure and the and science is in there it. the yeah. science mm-hmm. is absolutely yes. there
0: 100
1: right. because right. you know when you watch something and it moves you and shifts yes. you when you hear it. something when you view because one of the yes. coolest moments for me for this is my story was i'm going to try not to cry, talk, talk about it as we end this so it ends and i'm in a room full of people a lot of them i'd invite 20, 25 full. I like how because of COVID <laughs> full is not 25 people in a place that seats 200. <laughs> but um, And then Lejean, he's in at one end of the room, John McDonald, another collaborator that was featured. And I'm in one end of the room and Kathleen calls us up to take a bow. And we both just like, because mm-hmm. we had watched this, right. we both just embraced each other and we we're just crying. Right. Mm-hmm. And the release that like watching this did for me, is absolutely speaks of the power of art. Like I didn't even know I was holding mm-hmm. some of this and because as Lejeune was telling his story with the police officer with a gun in his face. I was Ooh. like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But I'm like, he's alive because he's standing in front of me. So I know that. But right. I was just like, this oh my is gosh, art so powerful. Right. So, so yeah. Powerful. yeah. So thank you, Amphibian, for that yes. lovely, lovely gift. And the yes. creators and director, yeah. Devin and Kathleen, of This Is My Story. Thank y'all so much. And, and
3: thank, thank you, you for telling your story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes.
2: Each yeah. one of those men talks about this is not a, a comfortable place for no. me. Yeah. Right. And we have to acknowledge that. And right. I hope anyone who watches it Turns off the phones, turns off all yes. the things. Because it's 36 and them,
1: minutes. It's not right. long. No. Give them the it's respect
2: no. that they deserve. For having gone to this vulnerable place. Yes.
0: Okay. We're going to find you at um, amphibianstage.com and you're Correct. on Instagram, of course, as mm-hmm. well. Um, Henry, you are?
1: I'm on Instagram at Henry Abuto by Wasanga and Tony and Henry on the same page. So,
3: <laughs> And we can find you. I am also on Instagram at a good man's education. Yes. Um, and, and. Anytime at the Modern, also for the lectures, but yeah. thank you so much we'll for having me. Thank fog. you, you, Tiffany, you are so This welcome. is beautiful. I just consider you all friends
0: and I appreciate you listening to me as well. And because- Thank I'm, you for sharing though. Yeah, I'm, so so I'm Thank
1: you for your vulnerability too. Yes. This was not an yeah. easy conversation yeah. for you to yeah. step into yeah. so. awkward But taco. you did it. How do you hey, feel? You feel it. fine? Yeah. No. You don't feel fine? <laughs> <That's laughs> she was like, I can't wait till y'all leave.
0: <laughs> My <laughs> white blazer a little got some pit stains on in there, but it's all good. No, it's great. And I really hope we continue this conversation oh, because sure. and so this good. platform. And everyone, thank you so much for listening and following along. And please listen, go and watch this fabulous fabulous piece of art yes. and um, I'm just going to call it piece of art mm-hmm. because everyone views art differently but there's mm-hmm. one view for sure I can say that but this is my story go listen to that and watch it and everyone please follow along at Tiffany C. Blackman and we're trying so hard to get up in that podcast world we're in the 70s now we've been here a year we've th- we made it through co- COVID and uh, follow along and everyone keep being fabulous